You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spate. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. And having said that, we have a few visitors here today. Uh, a few people haven't been here in a while. Uh, the reason we say that is because we have several pastors here at New Hope. And um, there's no lead pastor. There's no teaching pastor. We know what gifts God has given us. And so we just try to use those gifts. Um, we're here for you. We're here for you. We want New Hope to be a safe place for you to be able to come and ask questions. Now, we have been looking at 1 Corinthians, the push and the pull, the way society pulls at us, trying to divert us away from following Jesus. The Apostle Paul tells us, he gives us advice on ways we can push back so that we continue to follow Jesus. Today, we're in chapter 15, and so we're just going to jump right into it. The pull of society in chapter 15 is mentioned kind of deep in this passage. It's not until the 12th verse, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? This is the pull of society. It's a materialistic mindset. Now, I don't mean materialism in the sense of gathering more and more things. That's there too, but that's not what Paul's talking about. It's a materialistic mindset in the sense that we only believe what we can see. You ever heard anybody say that? It is prevalent in the society that we live in. It's there every time somebody says, prove it to us when we start talking about faith. Prove it. I won't believe it if I can't see it. You know, 40 years ago, there was a TV documentary called Cosmos. Great documentary, just full of all kinds of information. Every one of those documentaries starts with Carl Sagan saying the cosmos is all that ever was, all that is, and all that ever will be. Now, if that's true, then it kind of makes sense to say there is no resurrection from the dead. Why? We don't see it. I've not seen that happen. Have you? So if we don't see it, it must not be true, right? Well, Paul has an answer. That answer, we go all the way back to the opening verses of the chapter. There, Paul says, I passed on to you what was most important, what also has been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. 
He was buried. And then he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Then he was seen by Peter, then by the twelve, and after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, his half-brother, and later by all the apostles, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time. I also saw him. Now, a couple of things stand out to me from that passage. First is the way that Paul directly addresses the question or the statement that I only believe what I see. Paul names eyewitnesses. He names over 500 eyewitnesses, and he says most of them are still alive. Now, this is only 20 years after the resurrection. Many of those eyewitnesses were still alive and kicking. Paul included Peter, James, uh, three of the people that he names by name are there. Paul's saying, they're still there. They're alive. Go talk to them. Now, it might not be true for us today. They're not alive still. It's been 2,000 years. But what Paul is saying is that this is a historical fact. And there are reasons that we believe the resurrection today. It is history. Zach gave a great sermon about two months ago on the resurrection. You can look that up, see more about that. We don't want to go over that again today. The second thing that stands out to me from this passage is the way Paul starts it. This was passed on to me. I passed it on to you. A couple of weeks ago we talked about tradition. This apparently is an early creed. This is what was passed on to Paul. The core of that creed is this. Christ died for our sin... Christ was buried, and then Christ was raised from the dead on the third day. That's a pretty decent creed. It kind of gets at the core, the essence of the gospel. In fact, this is carried on, and just about a hundred years later, it's actually formalized, canonized, put in a form that the entire church has been repeating for 1,900 years. It's called the Apostles' Creed. There in the middle of the Apostles' Creed, it starts out, I believe in God the Father, and it tells what we believe about God the Father. Then I believe in Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, and it goes on and it tells what we believe about Christ. It ends up saying, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. In that paragraph about Christ, right in the middle, it says, he was crucified, dead, and buried. And he rose on the third day from the dead. Man, that's great. That's powerful. We talked about tradition and the importance of tradition. Here is a tradition that quotes 
historical fact. It's our common understanding of what's true about Jesus. He was crucified. He was buried. But he rose again from the grave. So let's take a look at this creed. Three simple statements. First of all, Christ died for our sin. Now what does that mean? That little word for can mean a whole lot of different things in the English language. I think here it means a couple of things. It means, first of all, that Christ died because of our sin. You see, we sinned, and sin demanded a punishment. But Jesus came and died on the cross to take that punishment on himself. If we had never sinned, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. But we have. Christ died because of our sin. Secondly, it means Christ died to take away the consequence of our sin. Our sin has a penalty, and that penalty is death. Jesus died on the cross to take away that penalty. He paid that penalty for us. He died so that we wouldn't have to. And then thirdly, Christ died for our sin in the sense that he takes away that sin. Not only the penalty for the sin, but the sin itself by his death. He gives us an option to live a different kind of a life, a better life. Now there's a second reason why it's important that Christ was, uh, excuse me, the second line of the creed is that Christ was buried. Now, Jesus was buried. What that means is he died a very real death. This wasn't a parable. This wasn't a made-up story. This wasn't a fable. It wasn't a mistake. He died a very real death and was buried in a very real tomb. Then, third, Jesus was raised from the dead. It's kind of interesting. Did you ever realize when you read the Gospels, one-third of the Gospels is dedicated to the last week of Jesus' life. One-third of the Gospels, by volume, deals with Palm Sunday to Resurrection Sunday. A full third. That shows how important they realized that it was. So it makes sense for us to ask the question, why is it that Jesus was raised from the dead. First of all, the resurrection shows Jesus' power over sin and over the consequence of sin. Consequence of sin is death. Jesus has power over that death. He defeated death. So at the end of this chapter, Paul quotes the prophet Isaiah. He says, where, O death? Is your sting? Where is your victory, O grave? 
Jesus conquered that. Now there's a second reason. But before we get to the second reason, we need to ask a different question. What's the difference between a resurrection and a resuscitation? You know, the Bible tells of eight other people who were raised from the dead. In fact, here they are. We're not going to look at all of them, but I wanted to list them up here for you. There are three there from the Old Testament. There are three there from the ministry of Jesus and two from the book of Acts. But there is a significant difference between what happened to them and what happened to Jesus. These people all died again. There's none of them around today. Jesus never died again. You know, today, we bring people back from the dead with a certain regularity. I've talked to people that said they were dead. They were dead on the operating table, and they were brought back to life. There's, there's Stacy back there, an EMT. She's on the front line. Maybe you've actually been involved in bringing some people back. But when we do, we don't say we resurrected them. We say we resuscitated them. Because eventually, they will die. That's the big difference. Jesus was resurrected. He didn't die again. People who are resuscitated do die again. Now, this is the second reason why Jesus' resurrection is so important. Jesus' resurrection doesn't only show that he has victory over death. It shows that Jesus can give life even when there's nothing but death around. And so, we who are dead in our sins, are given life that we can live. Paul goes on, he calls Christ the first fruits of the resurrection. Uh, we see this later on in the chapter. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits. And by that he just means the first who was actually resurrected. Then when he comes again, those who belong to him. What's Paul saying? He's saying Jesus is the first to be resurrected, but he's not the last. You and I will also be raised just like Jesus because he gives life to us when there's nothing around us but death. Now that's the content of this early creed. That's what the apostles wanted everybody in the church to understand. So we look at today and ask, and so what? What are we supposed to do about that? Well, you know what? This simple creed, Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried. 
and then Christ was raised from the grave on the third day is the gospel. It is the core of the gospel. We use very poetic terms, and it gets confusing sometimes. We talk about Jesus being in our heart, or we talk about being a born-again Christian, or we talk about following Jesus, or here at New Hope, we talk about learning to live, love, and go like Jesus. When we talk about these things, this is what we're talking about. The gospel, plain and simple. So what do we do? First of all, we recognize that we screwed up. We messed up. We have sinned. In fact, in the book of Romans, Paul quotes the book of Psalms when he makes this point. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. We have all sinned. We need help. So we recognize that there is not a thing that we can do about our own sin. You see, salvation is not about earning your way. It's not about leading a good life. It's not about doing more good things than bad things, like there was some balance where all of that makes sense. The penalty of sin is death. Now, if that's all it is, once we sin... It's all over. But that's not all that it is. God provides us a solution. Again, in the book of Romans, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for that. It's a gift from God. Salvation isn't a reward for the good things that we've done. None of us can boast about it. God sees our predicament and he reaches down to give us a free gift, something that we don't deserve, but he simply loves us. And because he loves us, he reaches down to save us. We have to recognize that Jesus is the way God reached down to love us. Jesus died for our sin. Like we saw, he died because of our sin. He died to take away the penalty of our sin, and then he died to take away sin itself so that we could live a different life. Again, in the book of Romans, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus dies for us, not because we deserved it. Definitely not because we deserved it. It's simply that he loved us. And so he reached out to us. So what do we do? What do we do? We recognize that we sin. 
we see that we can do nothing about that sin ourselves. We see that Jesus died for that sin. Well, what we do is we confess and repent. 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You know what that word confess means? In Greek, it's a compound word. And it literally means to say the same thing as. Confessing means simply that we agree with God about the nature of our sin. We hate it. We're not content to live that life of sin anymore. We agree with God about the nature of our sin. And then we repent of that sin. Acts 3.19, in the middle of one of the sermons, Peter says, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Now there again, that word repent is another compound word in Greek. It means to change your mind. When we repent, we turn from our sin because God has changed our mind about that sin. We hate it now like God hates it. We want to do something different. We confess and we repent. When we do that, He saves us. He gives us freedom from death, freedom from sin itself. We have a new life. We have a new hope. We are literally dead in our sins, living the life that we're currently living. Jesus came to give us life where there is nothing but death. He gives us freedom from sin. He gives us a new hope. He gives us a new life. That's what chapter 15 is about. The pull of society is a materialistic mindset. Don't believe it if you can't see it. The pushback, Paul says, you can believe the historical fact of Jesus' resurrection. But even that is not the end of what we're looking at. Christ raised Jesus from the dead to give us life. What Paul says is the pushback of a materialistic mindset is simply faith. Believe. Believe the gospel if you want to live, love, and go like Jesus. Believe the gospel. Accept what Christ has done for you. He came to die for your sin and give you life where there is nothing but death. If we want to live, love, and go like Jesus, just believe. Just believe. Confess your sin. Agree with God about it. Repent of your sin. 
Let him change your mind and turn back to him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, the gospel in one sense is so incredibly simple and yet in another sense so incredibly profound. Sometimes it's just hard to understand. Help us, Lord. Help us to understand it. Help us to see your death as something that impacts us. Help us, Lord, to recognize our sin, confess that sin to you, agree with you about the nature of that sin. Change our minds so that we can live in the light of your sacrifice and love. We ask this, Lord, in your name. Amen. going to take a few moments just to spend time in God's presence and reflect on his word and respond today in our hearts and our minds. What sin is God calling us today to confess and seek forgiveness for? That even in the midst of our sin, Christ died for us. So what sin do we need to confess to him today? is God calling us to do in place of that sin that would honor him where we would live love and go more like Jesus in our lives Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.